lyrically, yeah. Can none of y'all mirror me back? You can hear me rap, it's like hand G rapping his prime. I'm young H.O. Raps great for dead. It is 11.17 on a Saturday night, and we're back. I'm Blake Howard. Katie Walsh is with me as always, my undercover partner. She will never doubt me. Katie, thank you so much for being by my side. Here, I'm here again. Always will be. <laughs> this is Miami Nice. This is a show that is what turning into a confessional for people who are obsessed and addicted with Michael Mann's 2006 masterpiece that continues to perplex even the man himself that it is called and lauded as a masterpiece by a growing group of fans. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. But today, there's another person who has been appreciated often on this show and uh, has grown sort of this organic reputation uh, as an insightful, thoughtful, and incisive examiner of action films that actually gives them the platform that they deserve instead of relegating them to the the sort of the junkyard, the $2 bin at the front of your local department store. This person sort of elevates it to high art. And sometimes we've even referenced his tweets, funnily yes. enough, direct quoted him instead of quote tweeting, quoting him in a podcast because we just are huge admirers of everything that he does on the internet in usually the vacant and empty soulless vacuum of... Uh, uh, Twitter, there are some buoyant, beautiful lights of uh, insight and uh, and nice sort of campfires to go around and enjoy chats about movies that you love and just movies in general. And uh, one one is stoked by this man. It would not be Miami nice if it couldn't be Miami Vice. Vice <laughs> Victus, welcome. <laughs> To oh, yeah. Nights. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for the warm welcome. It's really great to be here. Um, just want to say, well, before we begin, I really admire um, what you guys do with this podcast. Really appreciate the, the support you guys have given me. It's been great. So, yeah, thanks. Oh, I'm a, I'm an action Twitter lurker, action <laughs> film Twitter lurker, and I always appreciate your tweets about action films and martial arts and war films from a uh learned perspective because you are a veteran and thank you for your service yeah thank you indeed and um you know i i i love action films um but i always feel like i i totally appreciate action twitter for i feel like i learn something new every day whether it's about choreography blocking fight choreography martial arts editing and so i am the student in the action twitter corner of the internet well uh, as am i you know it's uh i was a shout out to you like for example uh one perfect headshot. His his account. I follow so many people who uh, take screen grabs and uh, excerpts from movies from you know years ago, decades ago, 1920s, black and white stuff. Yeah. And you can see you see the actual lineage of the the, the action cinematography from then to now. You know, like the Bosky and Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. More than that, like the, all the kinds of elements we take for granted almost, um, or seem innovative now, have been done. You know, to certain degrees. Years ago, but I've, I'm already starting. I'm starting too deep already. Wow! Like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. But well, um, the, the point Kate, being that you know, Katie is whole movement. Katie is calling you from a corner of uh, uh, action film Twitter where she's like draped in some kind of uh, <laughs> <laughs> camouflage with the sniper rifle just down the scope, just checking it out from afar. You may not know she's not in there, but she's always watching, guys. She's always I'm watching. outside. I'm outside looking in. Yeah, but it is interesting that you say that, um, Vice, about like the history of cinema because when I was an undergrad, I did take an action and adventure cinema class, and a lot of it was looking at Buster Keaton films, looking at like the perils of Pauline and 
the way that the cinema of attractions, um, you know, as it's called, you know, really evolved cinema um, from, you know, more than just like a little uh, vaudevillian uh, attraction to something that was, you know, interesting and telling a story. And obviously because it was silent, you had to rely on like action and things that were going on in the screen um, more than dialogue or milling around. But, um, but yeah, it's so fascinating when you look at, you know, the simple machines like, oh, we're going to use a lever or we're going to like, you know, do a, a trick shot this way. And it's like, oh, the, people have been doing this since the silent era. So I that's one one way that I love to look at action cinema as well as like from the historical perspective. You also remind me of uh, when I took a film, few, few film classes as well. Um, we saw it was African-American uh, film studies class. So, of course, we had to watch Birth of a Nation. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of famous slash infamous for being like kind of the uh, how cinema truly began, like the, the form of it, the, uh, the aesthetics and the t t technology of it all. You know, it's, it's the same thing there. It's like uh, there's the language of the action, the movement, but also the actual text, the theme of what it's saying, trying to say. In this mm -hmm. case, you know, it's a horrible nightmare what it's saying. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's also kind of in line with uh, how I think uh, we treat action in some form today. And I, we'll get to this later on about, about how all the, uh, what your, how it reflects reality or how it manipulates reality too. So yeah, all this, all this high level philosophical stuff, you know, it's in this, it's, it's on these stupid gun movies or whatever, but that, that's, but it's, it's always been the way, it's always been that way. That's what's right, 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 right. Yeah, definitely. That I, I can't believe that so far we've talked about D.W. Griffith, Buster Keaton, and I'm about to drop um, Deleuze, who's a cinematic philosopher from France. Yeah. So strap in, because here you go. <laughs> um, no, the the great, like, cinema's true poetic philosopher, uh, Deleuze, wrote two books about the philosophy of cinema. One was called The Time Image, um, uh, and one was called the movement image and, and in the time image, he just talked about the manipulations of cinematic time and how, and how so, uh, uh, the passive viewer takes it for granted what you're seeing. So if we go back to the general, we talked about Buster Keaton, I feel like his is, his is such a time and movement image because he's, he makes you relish in the almost like surgeon timing of that he has executed something over here and we're going to watch it for that full 30 seconds that a train is going to fly off a bridge into a river and it has right. one time to make it right and he's yeah. going to do it. And that's like the miraculous level. But movement is like, the, you know, when you're sitting in your seat, that like virtual, almost virtual reality sort of perspective of being able to move with characters, move through, you know, time and space as well. And he's, he writes really in, you know, detail and deep about it. And I think that in a couple of reasons you see the laziest versions of action cinema are those that overtly manipulate time to cut corners or overly manipulate movement to cut corners. Whereas yeah. I think the, the stuff I've relished reading about, um, uh, from one perfect headshot from vice and on, uh, there was a recent run on action film, Twitter, that was really appreciating all of the kickboxer sequels with mm. Scott Atkins. And I was like, oh, I was. Undisputed sequels. Yeah. The, oh, sorry. The undisputed sequels of Scott Atkins. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. But I was like, those undisputed sequels going through and I was like, this, the, the cinematic craft of these things have probably completely been missed by every mainstream right. critic that's looked at it. They haven't even thought about the action cinema, but then you see how other 
filmmakers who have got action in their films ape from those films. Like, oh, that works. I'm going to take that. That's going to be mine. It's like the worst lesson that everyone learned from the Bourne series. Let's just shake the camera. That's the action. <laughs> right? And yeah. Paul Greengrass is like, that's not kind of what I was doing, but you know, go hard, whatever you guys want to do from right. now on, you know? So yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. And I'm, I'm so, it's, it's a nice patch of Twitter to be in when you can appraise and appreciate it because it's such like, it's our, it's pop, it's popcorn cinema is action cinema, right? It's like, and nothing annoys you more when there's bad action in a big movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we, uh, everybody hates talking about the Marvel movies MCU, but like that, I found them fascinating. I actually wrote a list of you a couple years ago, you know, uh, top ass whoopings in the MCU, MCU, you know, like, uh, based on the specific fight scenes. And to that credit, there's actually quite a quite a number of good ones. Just so you know that we kind of forget about them and all the uh, CG, all the uh, set piece, all the uh, previous yes. stuff. But you know, like the Winter Soldier fight scene and uh, even the TV, even the TV shows like the Daredevil, the uh, Netflix Daredevil series. You know, there's some actually really solid. Oh, that that, that hallway scene in Daredevil season one was some special stuff. Yeah, and even though I think I think they they topped it too. Like uh, people will kind of say kind of always mention that first season but in season two there's a big uh stairwell fight with him against some like uh motorcycle gang and then mm. the most recent season there was uh, a big uh jailbreak which was phenomenal big like one take kind of crazy chaotic thing it was, it was amazing yeah, they always kind of yeah, they, there's quality stuff in there just uh you know it's you know say what you will about the, the corporate machine and stuff and, and you know we should say stuff about that <laughs> but you know like uh there's also like a, there's room to appreciate the actual craft that all these all these people are bringing together in these projects. So that's, that's worth questioning as well. I appreciate that approach, you know, the not tossing the baby out with the bathwater, but being yeah. like, what are the good moments in here and the little bright spots of um, something that's interesting or worthwhile to, to, yeah. like, you, know, day, you know, like millions of people are watching this regardless of what we think about it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. it's like, uh, uh, who was it? Herzog, he said, you know, you must not look away. You know, this is, he's talking about Transformers or whatever. Like, like, this is like the the culture. You can't avoid But he was, he was talking about an artist, Michael Bay. That's why he said uh, he couldn't look yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like, now, the board, you know? now this is the first time I'm saying it to Katie, but Katie a and Vice, did you guys see the trailer for Ambulance? Michael yes, Bay's movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Yaha. I, I was just like, and and the tagline, it's actually produced by James Vanderbilt and Brad Fisher, the guys who produced Zodiac. Wow. Um, and uh, it's been saying that, like, it's a remake of another film, but they're like, oh, it's like, you know, whatever, ever. The comparisons to Heat have already started. But I'm like, oh, look, Michael, <laughs> at least Michael Bay's out of robots and he's back to action. And, like, let's just see what lunacy he can orchestrate. I love Michael Bay. I like, I mean, I think he's a, as a person, he's a total weirdo, but... Um, <laughs> I love Michael Bay movies, especially the non IP ones. I hate yes. to like use IP as a phrase, but I, I love Michael Bay movies. I, he's a fucking madman. He's obsessed with cars. I'll watch that man choreograph some car chases any damn day. Yeah. Um, and like do like low angle, like circling shots, do, do which John Krasinski totally stole for quiet place too, but fine, whatever. But, um, uh, you know, it's a good shot to steal. <laughs> I'm totally down for ambulance. I only watched half the trailer because I, I didn't want to see everything. Yeah, no. Kind of, oh, I'll sorry, say, so, I'm actually kind of, now that I think about it now, it's kind of weird how um, formative Michael Bay is for me personally. Like, you know, like a, 
all the bad boys things. You know? Totally. Yeah. It is kind of funny that you hear the anecdotes about how he's like, a, I brought the black heroes to the you know mainstream, which is you know it's it's a only a madman would say something like that. Out loud, you know? <laughs> but but it's also because it's true, you know, like uh, if we were from getting uh, Will and Martin to the, those to get action hero status to you know the uh, famous scene in Bad Boys Two where the uh, they're in the uh, KKK gowns and then the guns yes. yep. guns akimbo for the boarding <laughs> cross. What a mad genius to do, you know. But also yeah. this is a, this is another anecdote. Uh, I was in station in Germany for a couple of years, and uh, during that time we saw Transformers Two, yeah, yeah. Part Two, uh, in the theater. It's in English, but they had the subtitles in German. So we're there in the uh, amongst the German populace watching this film, and of course, Transformers Two is happening, unfolding before us. <laughs> and then uh, as it as it ends, as you know, I kind of uh, this is dawning dread of like. This is how they see us. This is how the rest of the world sees us. <laughs> Here I am in the, in the rest of the world in Germany, yeah. and the, the, the crowd is like they're kind of like I couldn't even describe the feeling. They were like laughing. I feel like they like you guys are so stupid. Thank you. You're so stupid. So, and then so yeah. So I love that. I love that. Thank you for being so stupid. This is just exactly <laughs> what I needed. So I, I always kind of wrote that with me through my military career, like like that presence of mind of how you because it's actually a big deal like amongst mm. us like uh whenever you're overseas you're kind of an ambassador to other states and also just me oh in case you guys didn't know listening i'm black so me being an african-american like off overseas like i have other expectations of what i'm supposed to be you know yeah. i've I've, uh, I've been in korea and germany and iraq as well so like i have that with me at, at the same time i have this mad the icon the id of america like Michael Bay is showing the world, having to contend with that, but also like you know work with that too. Yeah, and, that's and so it, fascinating. Yeah, it's, but, it's, yeah. But those, but those first three. This is the thing about Bay. The first three Transformers movies, whatever anyone wants to say about them, the craft, the actual the craft, is craft, good. The craft is amazing. The the other two are some of the worst example. The worst example, exactly as you said, that chaotic id, that like the uber levels of stupid that they get to. Um, and, you know, when he can do that in unison with Marky Mark, I think we're all better for it, for just the conversations that can come out of it. Well, but th this is what kind of what I mean, what I mean, it's like, you know, as I guess I'm kind of a proponent of the Transformers, Baytformers series in total, yeah. as it as the arc goes. So they're all like fascinatingly perfect to me, even though <laughs> I, I hate them all for very reasons. Like, like when I saw part four, yeah, when I was in Afghanistan on a, on a Russian movie. Like, <laughs> and so I'm again. I'm there. I'm there trying to. I'm there doing this business, and I'm like, "What am I doing here? Like, like what? Are, like, what are we doing? Like, what? What is yes. society like?" So, and in in, you know, in the course of the Transformers films, the big films, they're like refugees turns heroes, mercenaries. Like, they're like pro government cops. And then by part four and five, the government is trying to kill them all. It's this whole arc of like, and this arc. Strangely enough, kind of coincided with why I left the army in the first place. Uh, I left about twelve years, twelve years. In, like, like I was kind of realizing and seeing that I should, I wasn't supposed to be here. Uh, we were not supposed to be doing this. This being the American Empire apparatus, and so like, so this is kind of why I have this weird. Uh, I'm such a defender of the Bay movies and Bay is like he, he's he can see this, sense this subconscious powerful it of like mm. how we're growing how we're how we're 
our attitude, you know, the 20 years of war, like he, he got it. He understood it mm-hmm. through these crazy mm-hmm. fucking robots, you know, like, the, <laughs> like, but he's, he understood it more than like a lot clearer than the most, you know, most learned pundits could that I've heard, you know, he understood what I was feeling. And then, so coming up to this, his, his previous effort, the uh, six underground, when I reviewed that, uh, you know, I, I, it fucked me up. Like, uh, cause again, it was like this, more of this, uh, social political, not commentary, but like just uh, the feeling of it, the verb of it, and this dumbass like uh, Mission Impossible ripoff, you know? Like yeah. he's again, he's like he's so stupid, he's brilliant. Yeah. And so now I saw the uh, I damn near had a fucking uh, panic attack when I saw the uh, ambulance trailer because it was kind of now. So I've been out of the army for about five years now, and you know I, and of course the last five years happened. Yes. So I, I thought that, you know, I could kind of come down to peace, but that was not the case. Mm. As we all saw in the Trump era and everything, everything happened. Yeah. Pandemic now even too. And fortunately for me, in my case, you know, I'm doing well. I've saved my money and uh, I'm living with a wife and, you know, she, she does a good job. We're, we're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know that the way that the, the squid game works, it could be all gone in a second. The, la- the last five years is, that's been everyone's yeah. concern. Oh, especially right. the last, the last two in both of our countries, right? Yeah. Just so, yeah. So I'm see, yeah. So I'm, again, I'm seeing this like I, I don't know how or why or if if he even cares, if they even cares, but he's he's get he understands this on a very powerful animal level. This American experience of the past, the post 21st century American experience, for all its you know faults and, and vices, <laughs> um, he gets it. And I don't even know if he gets it. I don't even. I don't know if he gets it. He gets it, but he, he gets it. <laughs> but so yeah, but there is so yeah. Also, all of it to say, there is no base standard standard allowed in the House of Vice. No, that oh. no, <laughs> no, never, no, never. No, no, I, I, I stand Bay. No, I, I can I can appreciate. I just can't stand those second two Transformers movies. But even talking to you right now, I I might have to watch them again. But Vice, I would just you say, need to write something on the Transformers movies and Michael Bay and Afghanistan. Like I need this long form yeah, essay yeah, yeah. ASAP. And happy to and happy to play editing uh, roles. Both of us, Katie particularly yeah. as well. Um, and 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 the other thing I would say is um what you just gave the great point is that sometimes cinematic the the sometimes your your nation's cinematic champion is not your choice you know what i'm saying that i'm trying to get to like for example when you look at a certain period in australian cinematic history you know when we talk about like some of my guys um Peter Weir, who is this beautiful, beautiful, poetic filmmaker, very uh, intelligent, makes these very kind of loaded, mysterious movies about the Australian experience before he starts to move abroad and um, about the Australian experience and particularly this this hidden but also right in your face guilt of like wh- what the hell is this place right like what we're here over a first nations country what are we doing and then they give him gallipoli like they give this mm-hmm. really intelligent guy what's meant to be this big rah-rah you know uh nationalistic you know our iconic national film and he kind of maybe makes one of three anti-war war movies that have ever been made like at the end of it 
none of it feels good and actually mm -hmm. Australia doesn't feel good. And in fact, the colonial experience from British colonialism doesn't feel good. None of it feels good. And in that moment, I think they chose their champion, but they kind of chose wrong because he was saying what he wanted to say through the film. And so in that moment, sometimes you get those beautiful moments where like the country is pushing a filmmaker to say something and the actual message they get is not the one they want, but it's the one that was right on time. And I feel yeah. like Bay's ubiquity, right? Over the last like decade, like he is like one of the champions, like aside from Marvel, what, whose films have been seen more really right. like in the last, in, in the last, however many, you know, I, I know more people that would have seen every single Transformers like 10 times and they may never have seen 2006 Miami Vice. So I think it's like, there's a few like critics have talked about like, no, Bay is my American film. It's not, yeah. it's not David Fincher. Like, forget it. It's not, right. it's not yeah. David Fincher. And British films, not Chris, you know, may not be like Christopher Nolan or whatever. It's like, it's who is that dominant, you mm -hmm. know, it, it's probably Steve Cloves and David Yates, you know, all the Harry Potter movies like that. That's British cinema. Sorry. I don't care what you say. Like, that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, it, um, so yeah, it's really funny how you can't choose your champion. And also I just have to say, I was watching Six Underground too, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I saw it in a cinema with my friends and I was watching it for like 30 seconds. And when a pigeon hits a nun in a face, slow motion, <laughs> I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. He's a master. He's a genius. It's the, it's, it's like he, in a movie that can actually have feelings and thoughts and um, anxieties. Uh, he, he's still a master of like, I don't know, like this kind of gonzo excess. That's just brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. You, you mentioned the theory about the uh, the, the time and the imagery. Yes. There's a, there's a key point that always sticks out in my mind of Six Underground is the part in the beginning, the chase sequence where um, they're doing the chase and uh, a person gets, uh, as they're escaping the bad guys, they make the bad guy crash and you see the body fly out of the car right, into like a yes. debris. But the, I can't explain this. It, the camera lingers just a half or fraction of a second longer than you normally would do that in that, in that shot. Yes. So you can kind of just enough time to register that that is a human body being mangled beyond recognition. Yes. But just that split second, and it, it, it like it's like it's stopping the tracks. It, it, you know, the, the rest of the movie keeps going at his breakneck pace. But just that moment, I'm like, this guy is a fucking god. Like, how did he? <laughs> how did he know? How did he? How, how could he see know? that? You know? And that's the whole movie. It's like just stopping for that brief moment to recognize the inhumanity of what you're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But to keep going with it anyway. It's yeah. Right. <laughs> he he understand. I fundamentally think that that Michael Bay's movies do not understand humans like the way people talk to each other, <laughs> like <Yeah>. human <laughs> emotion. But the, no one is better at understanding mechanics than him, and like the way like it might the mechanics of a human body like flying out of a car might be, or like the way you know, two cars racing on a bridge might be like, he understands like machines and me and the mechanics of action. Like I think better than anyone. I know the listeners are like, uh, why the fuck is Michael Bay for? And I, I promise <laughs> you guys all these points as, as this what happens, they were relate to the, the money <laughs> right. in totality. I'm, well, I'm, I'm we love digressions, digressions on this podcast <laughs> we and we love like the movies that we end up talking about on this podcast, which were like, how do we start talking about Scream, you know, uh, had, Six Underground? Had... Like, it always ends up being something interesting, but it's like the conversation about how we get there is super interesting. But yes. if we want to get to Miami Vice, we have to. Let's let's yeah. let's dive in. I, we're gonna we're going to 
do uh, in the spirit of it after a great conversation with Emma Stefanski on a previous show we uh, shared the German trailer for Miami Vice and we got to watch it together um, <laughs> Vice hasn't heard that yet you will hear that on the upcoming episode but we're gonna we're gonna unpack a, a couple of uh, choice scenes with Vice and and get, get his color commentary and his incisive unpacking of them together but first as as you as an individual, What's your Michael Mann movie? Because I would imagine um, you, uh, I would imagine just because funnily enough, after one heat minute, I've spoken to so many Australian military professionals and police officers who have encountered the show and they're like, heat is their favorite movie. That is their favorite movie, which I can totally understand. And that scene of the bank shootout is one of their favorite action scenes they've ever seen. So I'm just, I, I'm wondering how you came to man and it, it, it is, is it, is it a bit backwards? Are you a, are you a Miami vice fan before a heat fan? How, how do you, how do you come to the cinema of Michael Mann? They showed that scene of the bank robbery and the getaway and the shootout of, of heat in my basic training uh, class. The commander was like, this is a proper technique for how you bound to cover. Wait, in your basic training, Katie. Oh my God. (laughs) That's how powerful it was, the impact it has. Okay, that's why everybody loves heat. There you go. Because it really is. I mean, in all all honesty, it is a textbook showcase of the bonding and bonding movements. Uh, So, which is to say, I was in love with heat before then when I saw it as a young teen before I joined the army. Um, And and for me, you know, I am a big. uh, Gangster ass movie, TM quote, trademark, aficionado <laughs> uh, as well. So I kind of so I always love when military or tactical films and gangster films kind of coincide, which has happened a lot throughout history. Um, and there's some elements of that in Heat as well. But you know, for you know, I love the you know, it's of course you know all, all young red blooded males of America love the Heat. You know, the Pacino, De Niro, the you know all the guns and the Grim faces, you know, great ass, you know, all that. It's, it's, it's all it's in our DNA. Uh, see, that was the first one. Um, but then, of course, so yeah, that's probably my, my primary entryway, the, the biggest one of all. But then, um, I did enjoy, I did appreciate my advice uh, when it came out. Um, well, when it came out, it was 2006, right? Yes. So I was uh, on my way. Finishing my my first uh, career tour on the way to uh, Germany slash Iraq, and so I had missed it in its theatrical run, but I saw it, you know video, and then, um, I appreciated that. Uh, uh, I appreciated the efficiency, the kind of the similar to his, you know, the heat efficiency that the of the professionals doing the focus mission, but just kind of seeing the whole the scope of it all. Um, I had not, I had never really watched the Miami Vice show uh, with in its, in its prime in its heyday. I was a little too young for that, but I, I understood. I, I kind of recognized the tropes of it all. I mean, I knew I was familiar with it, and so so I, I was familiar enough to kind of. Well, you guys have talked before how um, people say the movie and the show are very totally different, but but they actually have a lot of similarities, especially the later seasons to the movie now. But just in a, in a general sense, I kind of I appreciated that. Uh, Update that that the newer seeing the newer veneer, the newer um, re, the remodeling of those uh, older eighties crime aesthetics to this new kind of international crime syndicate uh, globalized world we're living in. Um, and then as we get into later, uh, also you know being 
overseas myself for most of my career, I kind of appreciated that international aspect of it, as well as the, uh, what I, well, I didn't know it at the time, but now I have better words to articulate it. I kind of, what really got to me about Vice uh, is the, uh, the, the, the security and defense apparatus underlying all of these, this world that I've been a part of now. So I kind of have a little bit of window into that and to see how it affects how this global high tier stuff affects this guy in a trailer park cooking meth or this these two cops going in hard, you know, how I, I, I can, I've lived and seen this, the grand scale affecting the, the local uh, close-up uh, view. So that's so over time, um, I, I've appreciated that more and more about my advice. And also uh, in other ways, how it affect, how that in turn influence other films now in this uh, post 9-11 landscape, which I, I yeah, it, it's, it's really fascinating uh, that it kind of stays alive in that, in that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, we, well, some people know, but um, it actually wasn't the Star Wars minute that directly influenced um, One Heat Minute in its construction, how I wanted to do it. I just found out about the Star Wars minute afterwards and then, you know, obviously gave them credit because they're the original text. What actually influenced me the most to do it was a thing called Cinema Interruptus, which is Roger Ebert in person would break down classic films. He did it with Citizen Kane. Um, I believe he did it in like a Colorado festival. He would go there on a yearly basis and he would break down movies. So what we're going to do right now for everyone who's listening is I'm, I'm we're going to play Vice Interruptus, right? We're going to be here with Vice. <laughs> we're going to go to two key scenes. We're going to go to the first scene where the, our guys pretend to be Haitians and they do a maneuver to break in steal uh, a, a Jose Euro load of drugs um, uh, to, to acquire them for their future play that's going to happen. Um, and we'll hear Vice break that down. And then we can, we can jump into the final scene. But we're going to just, Vice, whenever you want, uh, I'm going to just let you hit stop, pause, and we can break some further things down. But I think this might be fun to do. Um, I'm going to um, uh, play around with it so uh, you guys can hear it on the, hear it and uh, see it. Um, and you guys listening at home, Prepare for uh, Vice Interruptus as part of Miami Nice. Hey, man, boo shoe. What are you doing? What are you, you doing? Doing? That's a great shot. That's a that's a Michael Bay shot. Yeah. <laughs> but like all handheld or steady cam. Yeah. I gotta give some context for you and everybody listening. Um, most of my time in the army, I was a intel support guy. I was, you know, I was never out in the field. I was no Rambo or anything like that. So, you know, I was, I was never like doing like any kind of kicking on doors, or whatever. 
But uh, part of the uh, the analysis and the uh, information part of it was having to watch these and also like a help coordinate or um, follow along as it happened to mm. provide uh, intel on the spot. And so kind of, I, <laughs> I had uh, the precision of his assault, the, the, uh, and the force, the, the violence of it, the, the calculated, it's the, uh, how do I say it? The calculated application of overwhelming brutality so we kind of were seeing here it's like you have this you have to move in with this force of action the violence of action they call it to get the prop to make this smoother like uh so you know like as opposed to like uh other uh conventional heist movies or heists in general like if you guys took up a robbery in a store or whatever they kind of it's erratic and they kind of wave the gun around everybody on the floor they're kind of moving more with the uh intimidation of verbally or so to do so Whereas the intimidation here is the actual violence itself. There's no threat of violence. It is the violence. Right. They don't them. they don't warn you, we're gonna do this to you. They just come in and do it. Do it, yes. yeah. Yeah. And and the and the speed and the speed of it all, that shock, you know, you know, the, the shock and all as they say, that's the so critical of it all of especially you know this oh and this movie's high level of 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 uh arm of criminal activity, you know, because as you saw, you guys were armed to the teeth as well. So at any moment, at the moment that they lost the initiative. Of that, of that entry, they would have been killed right immediately. Yeah. So they had, mm. they, so it's critical to have that violence of action in, in their movements. So does um, this look like stuff that you watched? Yeah, and um, I think we'll probably, wow. what I'll probably come back to you over the course of this conversation is that um, it, not, not 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 just myself either. Um, over the years, there's been uh, either through um, soldiers soldiers' own personal videos or movies uh, documentaries. Like a most famously Restrepo and a sequel yes. Korngal. Uh-huh. We have uh, this. Uh, we have this data. We we have this historical document now of what modern war looks like now from the eyes of the soldiers, thanks to you know uh, uh, smaller cameras, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You kind of you kind of you kind of see the beginnings of that. Well, uh, the beginning beginnings of our understanding of that of this modern context in this movie, um, like the shot with the. Uh, as the truck goes into the, you know, it's a camera yeah, on the truck going moving forward it, into it, the, uh, the, it, the load. It's almost like you, you're embodying your reversing camera. I don't know if you've ever driven a car that's got a reversing camera, but it's like yeah. in the reversing yeah. camera and like watching yeah. that as you're ramming through through the door after the gunshot that uh, yeah. with the with yeah. the with the shotgun. So yeah, so this is it's not quite first person, but rather it's almost as if uh, because a lot of the shots you'll see throughout the movie when they have the violence of action when they have their guns drawn. It's directly you see the the profile them holding the gun. Uh, people can't see your camera, of course, but uh, you see the the cameras directly in front of them, looking at how, it's looking at not the gun or not what they're doing, but it's looking at how they're acting and reacting to these moments. And uh, it, it, it is very similar to uh, if a lot of um, not just soldier first person cameras, but um, war journalists. Uh, they're like mm. if you've seen like footage from uh, Syria or other or Iraq or Afghanistan itself from the journalist's perspective as they're watching the people, combatants or civilians or whoever is fighting, it's that very same similar moment trying to seeing how how they look doing these actions. Um, yeah, the, there's like a, a the camera operator, clearly a handheld camera operator, but it's like some, it, it feels like you're in the scene with them, that you're with them, that you're participating in the action with them. It's eye level, you know, or it's like the height of, of what a human being is. I mean, you're, looking over the shoulder, you're looking at the table, you're kind of right one step behind them. So you're, you're, 
it gives you the sense of having a camera on your shoulder, like a body cam or something, or, um, a, you know, holding a, a, a camcorder or whatever. It gives that visceral sense of being in the moment and just capturing this footage. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's definitely, um, and I think, uh, uh, we'll talk about this in another scene, but, um, so one of my, I guess if, if I had a thesis to my, my appearance here on the show is, um, how Michael Mann is such an integral part of our vocabulary of action over the past few years, um, actually specifically, and um, how, and kind of the uh, the ongoing quest to how to make action more refined and better throughout the years. So, you know, this is like, a, I think this was, uh, what, what year was the first Born film? I think it was 2003, right? Something like that? Yeah, 2002, 2003. Oh, yeah. It was a direct... So, you know, this, yeah, this is in that midst there of Born, so where you can have that, that kind of revolution of the shaky cam or the uh, up close, realistic, tactical action, right? Mm. And so in this case, you know, man is doing his version of that. But of course, it's, it's a, all at once more raw and more refined too, because, you mm -hmm. know, uh, as you guys, I'm sure you guys spoke about this many times, his choice to go digital, uh, purely digital on camera. And it's so it, I, I think, I think at the time it might've felt uh, too gauche or whatever, but now with our context of history of all our, all this uh, footage of war, it feels right in line with that time frame. This is a two, mid two thousands hot war and terror film, yes. even though it's yeah. a cop, it's a cop movie. Um, so, and um, I've talked about this uh, more recently. How in the most recent years, there's a big a big emphasis or a big uh, manifestation of video game aesthetics and yes. um, principles to film, um, but in a really like kind of high level. Prestige way even, um, the nineteen uh, uh, seventeen. That's, that's a that's a first person action game or whatever. Yeah, right, so, totally. Yeah, that, and, the, and, and the dialogue between video game aesthetic and movie aesthetic is is ongoing because I I, I once read an amazing thesis that Travis Bickle holding weapons when he goes and buys his weapons the first time in in, in Taxi Driver is the first first person shot we received. So no one can see what I'm doing, but that whole view of when you see someone's arm down to the gun as they're pointing, like Scorsese orchestrates that shot. And like, literally you could pick that shot up and you could put it in any first person shooter you've ever seen since. And it's like, they are just the same language. So this, there is a dialogue happening between these two. Yeah. 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 And so you get this kind of, uh, you're seeing these first, these first moments of, uh, how film would, um, uh, in turn modify, the more recent uh, video games that again, in turn, um, influenced the movies. So in this case, see, like, um, there's one specific movie that I always that I always refer to that people kind of laugh at me about. Um, Act of Valor came out. I think it was. I've seen Act of Valor. Yeah. Have you seen it, Katie? I don't think I have. Wait, let me look it up. It's yeah. So it's like it's, it's yeah. It's a uh, an action film about a group of Navy SEALs. Yes. And the whole draw is that uh, they were actual real life Navy SEALs portraying, you know, versions of themselves. So they're doing the actual movements or the actual uh, gun, gun choreography, fight choreography. They're all doing it themselves because they know how to do it in real, in real life. Um, right. If, so if, I, if I could speak crassly just for the briefest of moments, it, Act of Valor is a little bit like a porn film in that all of the story kind of sucks because they have to strip away their natural charm and the way that they actually interact to like create this artificial story. But when they are doing the action... In motion, yeah. It is like sensational like it's right. just like the the the, the uh, michael mann talks about it funnily enough with ali the most um and he's a bit of an obsessive about this like 
training someone so that they can even walk the right walk yeah. um, for a film. And these guys are just, it's like, they're like live creatures. They just, they, they just move like in different ways than normal people move. They interact, they intuit things. Yeah. It's that actor valor. If you just cut out some of those, you know, centerpiece scenes of the movie, they, they look amazing. They look incredible. And so one of the key things in that movie is that um, it has that, it's not just the first person camera, but it's like, the camera on the gun itself, on the weapon itself, yeah, okay. kind of, the kind of refined. It's, it's it's appeared in movies before that, but it actually truly refined and made it like usable because you know it's using um, digital cameras that are small enough, to, small enough, but also powerful enough mm-hmm. to capture the movements. But you know, again, kind of re-replicating that first-person game, first-person shooter in a game form, but now it's applied to real life slash film, mm-hmm. so it gives us its own like kind of sense of immersion. And I kind of see that. I kind of see the beginnings of that. In this scene here, and it's in some of the scenes in, in throughout um, in the vice that kind of, like I said, the camera is facing them instead of instead of the target itself, but it's still that same that same sensation of the the weapon is the camera, but in this mm. case, it's just the camera is on them instead of their targets. But it's still it's it's the camera too, like they're holding it too, like that, and so you kind of see the beginnings of that here in this in this shot of that that close up immersion. Uh, to a degree, because it's also like there, there is a bit of a, uh, even though it's so powerfully inside, there is still a bit of a uh, remove from it. And that um, it's hard to explain. It's like a, you're you're in the, you're in the situation with them, see them with this dangerous tactical stuff, but uh, there's no, there's never a point where, I, I, unlike a lot of power fantasy movies. There's never a point, at least for me, there you think that, oh, I could do this. No, 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 no. Mm. Yeah, you were watching, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. watching professionals <laughs> yes, yes. do their thing with them, but you, you, you but the remove, remove is you could not do this. No. Right. You're no. sort of like the, like tagging along. That's how I kind of feel watching these scenes. Like you're right over the shoulder of someone, or you're kind of like looking at them shooting. Like I kind of feel like I'm just sort of like the the sidekick. Yeah. And, and man is oh sorry, Vice, but I was just gonna say one thing that he he does. And, and I'd love to hear how you talk about it is the way that I, uh, the, the impression that I get in the scene and the way that I think he anchors the scene for the viewer, because, you know, some people are maybe want to be more engaged with that. They can be doing this. Is he like, he's so good at giving you their mini objectives in the pace of the action. So the first objective is the lock. And then the mm-hmm. second objective is the door. And then there's the hilarious one is like, do we even believe that they wouldn't know the accents up until this point? Of course they did. But it's just like, I, whoever decided that that was a good line to do is amazing. Because that's just like a perfect character choice. Shows you how good they are. That like they can just decide on a dime that they're going to speak Haitian and Rico can speak Haitian like effortlessly, right? Um, but that there's that moment where they look, then we get in and we see the load on the table. And then there's that even better thing. It like scans to the two or three guys who are scrambling in shock once the doors blow open. And then the camera goes to the AK. So it's like charting what the objectives yeah. that they have to get to, to break this room. And I cannot get over this quote that you said, which is the calculated application of overwhelming brutality. Um, and uh, that- Is that a military quote? Uh, I- it might be a vice, TM. <laughs> I've got Vice TM written here. Well, honestly, I don't remember because I read after reading so many FMs and manuals. I, I'm not sure if it's a something someone wrote for a bullet point when his uh, 
for a bullet point for a reward or if it's something I kind of realized that they were something, doing. Yeah, yeah. It just, say. it sounds kind mm -hmm. of like it has that almost clinical, like governmental language. I'm sorry. I, in my book, it says Vice TM. Okay, that's yeah. what, in my notepad, it says Vice TM. <laughs> I'm, I have to apologize. Some, sometimes this, this stuff doesn't really leave you. It's been no. right no 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 and that's but that's what when you said it i was like oh is that like actually an american military <laughs> tactic and maybe it's just the way that you describe it but that's what it sounds like and obviously you're steeped in that world so um that sounds, sounds like our, <laughs> sounds like our podcasting tactics katie just calculated application <laughs> of overwhelming brutality um, it's an amazing ooh. quote it's an amazing <laughs> so quote good. i love it well here let me i have one more point to this gene to kind of to, to kind of build off that that point itself is um oh do you guys i, I don't know if you ever have you seen or used the uh internet movie firearm database imfdb no I, katie i have only because <laughs> I kept getting DMs about it when I was doing Heat. Oh. Because they went, um, uh, they said, you should go to the IMFDB because you can see all the weapons. Because I was curious. I think at some point someone had heard me say, oh, I've got to, I've got to research where to find what that actual weapon was. Because we were talking about another point in the film. Mm -hmm. And I and I went on there to learn about Val Kilmer's sniper rifle and the assault rifles mm -hmm. they used and uh, and Vincent's shotgun and and uh, mm -hmm. and Vincent's assault rifle and all those different things, you know. Yeah. So this movie, this this movie is a treasure, treasure trove of like the nerd <laughs> the nerd specs for guns. Um, and, you know, and so that Monkey Man has man has that uh, that's one of his qualities he has on his boat is that there's a certain not just tactical, but tactile. Like mm. these are real objects. These are real, real physical machines that are complex machines that do these functions. And you know, a, you know, a gun. Not well, they, this at a certain point, a gun is just a gun. You know, they'll do the same thing. But different guns have different uses, different purposes, different different uh, situations. And I think man gets that really well. Uh, you know, there's a reason why you would use a shotgun or, or instead of a rifle at certain points. You know, and there's a basic ballistic scientific reason why and he gets that here but at the same time he also gets to a, 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 indulge in the oh this is, a, this is a cool fucking gun <laughs> so you see the, the, the object they use to uh blast open the block that's a uh hk hector coach it's a uh hk 69a1 grenade launcher it's a single barrel you can uh, one single load can open the reach put the grenade in and fire but kind of an update of the old m79 very much we see we see in Vietnam films. It's, like, it's a more modern, modern version of that. But in this case, I mean, we, we're gonna we're gonna have to link this. We're gonna have oh. to link this. <laughs> but in this case, what you see, like in that shot, or the actual like literal shot, it's 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 a it's shrapnel, and you're like, wait, what do you use? So they put they have uh, instead of a grenade round, an explosive round, they have rounds that are just full of buckshot and or shrapnel or metal pieces that fire. So it's, it's basically one big ass shotgun instead of a great launcher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and this, this will come into play in a in later in scene. So in the so later. Right. All right. Well, yeah, let's, 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 let's I'm going to start queuing this up. So Vice, do we want to breach? Are we going to breach uh, a meth lab or are we going to have a showdown with the Aryan Brotherhood and Jose Euro to, uh, to wrap up your, your uh, Vice interruptus and uh, unpacking of these great tactical scenes? Let's go for the showdown at the end. Yes.
It is one hour, 48 minutes, 15 seconds into Miami Vice. If you're streaming it, we're currently watching it on Prime uh, on my screen as we're about to share. So if you want to queue it up, get ready. But basically the boys are in the car. Ricardo's about to start talking. They're going to do um, their ever, ever so memeable and shareable like bash of hands together. Um, and so here we go. Location got changed. Bojean Shipyard, 27th in the river. This guy is great, a creepy fuck, I love it. Yes, <laughs> T- I, his I, his name is like Tom Towels or Tony Towels or something like that. If I saw him in the street, I would want the other way. That's a scary white <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a scary, <laughs> scary, and so tall, so tall. Okay. I love the color of the nights. We've talked about it a lot. I know, the, the like brownish cloud. Yeah. That's Katie on Action Film Twitter, just lurking <laughs> under, under a camouflage. I see everything. <laughs> well, here, I'll talk while they do the dialogue. Yeah. Just yeah. kind of, even now, this, the way the cinematography is and the movement, this is a new type of setup. A new type of, uh, oh, we're going to go to the meeting point. The darkness, the low light. This is like, they're moving on to the objective. This is a, this is a calculated assault. Yes. Not just uh, meet up to shoot out. Like oh. even you know, you're the chief here. Like it's a counter sniper. If, if you know, action, there's all type of operations going on at once, coordinated between both the villains and and our heroes. Right, there are many layers of interactions What's happening. Here? Yeah, so we've got the, we've got the delivery of the boats. We've got the we've got the the assault from the Aryan Brotherhood, and like you said, the counter assault at the same time. Somebody from yeah. my side lays eyes on the money. This low angle is so interesting to to shoot that from that. I'm loving. That, I Money's like when right they're crossing here. too, Katie. I'm loving watching them cross over. over in the scene. Can't find the sh- Here's a fair. So, yeah, the Very Shabaka with the night vision. Yeah. <laughs> and not, yeah, that's important here too. It's not just night. It's Where's just it's specifically infrared vision. Like, again, infrared. Infrared. infrared, okay. This is our modern, this is the, oh, yeah, the fallout of all the technology in the war here in yeah. our streets. I love that even at night, we can see how cool Jose Euro's shirt is. <laughs> I love Colin here. <laughs> He's so mad. God, this Nostrils sucks. flared. God, this is such a good scene. So good. See, right now, he's not Sonny Crockett. He's a... Velcro right now. Yes, he is. Straight Velcro mode. Listen, you can't say that it's Velcro. When Velcro goes ham, he's only sunny, all right? Colin's not there. That, Colin's not there. We have to remember, Colin's off the map. Just just the raw machismo rage, that's all. I love this. I love this. What difference does it make, Sonny? Listen to me, asshole. I do not want that motherfucker near me. You want to see or do I? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that line is all for Vice. I do not want that motherfucker near me. Nah, great. bro, nah. <laughs> God, all these guys look great. Like, they're a combination of actual um, you what know, undercover. What does she think com- she's going to accomplish? Beating up that guy. She probably could have slapped him a week ago in front of Jesus and he wouldn't have had, been able to do anything. But yeah, I love these faces. These, whoever yeah. ends casting, the casting. It's just. 
always great, especially yeah. for these other folk. Yeah, like I was saying, even with all, about all this um, post G what technical stuff, it's still a cop movie. There's still, you know, guy from the wire here. There's still yeah. these like uh, <laughs> stone faced henchmen from the 80s here. In the, right. in, the, in the bad suits it's still it's, it's still Mummy Vice you know yeah yeah. it's just at night it's not bright but there's killer suits are still there the machismo's there the, oh, we're, we're, we're it, doing it it does like you're so right it feels profoundly militaristic and post 9-11 militaristic yeah. Dom just the language of I love through, through the through the sniper's scope sniper sniper's scope Infrared tag, next one. Those off off kilter close-ups are so like later man to me. Yes. Fire. Go time. Oh my god, that loud. Wow. <laughs> Out of the back. Oh, shotgun, yeah. shotgun through the back of the car. You just love the cops are already like that. There's only the team immediately into the tactics. They're like, but the other guys are scrambling because they're getting gunfire from multiple locations. And then the blood spatter on the lens. Well, so see, this, 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 what here is the um, Patriot Arms. Uh, uh, it's a, um, you can refer back to the IMD FDB. It's a modified type of uh, M4 assault rifle that's yes. a compact. Um, it, it, I think, and in this case, again, the, the tactileness of it. Yes. This is kind of showing that these are like, well, from the dunes, you know, like that's not something you get on the street regularly. Like this is like, uh, a, like you know, like you know, most like back in even like with uh, Die Hard, you know, remember, remember Die Hard with the uh, and the big blonde guy? He had the style. Oh, AUG, the uh, the bullpup, yes. the magazine goes to the back instead of the front, like that to kind of signify these are higher end goons, like just do the do the do the hardware. It's yeah. all here too. Such a great it, night. It is so tactile because you can see the blood on the lens and the bullet casings shooting out of that thing. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's hit play. 153, 28, 29, 30, here we go. One of my favorite tactical movements. See the, see the bullet casings? Yeah, casings coming out of the side. And also, a note here, I think... Um, Sorry, boss, go ahead. Well, no, with heat, you know, it was a little more crisper, kind of to yes. show, to emphasize that they were more yes. professionals. Here, it's a little more purposely chaotic, purposely, like, stayed. Like, people are staying in cover on purpose. They're waiting. Now you have now you have, now you have the bounding. Not until they start, not until they have fixed the enemy that they started the bounding for. Like, yeah, it, fe it feels so much messier than he, than the heat shootout, yeah. But, you know, it's like... Yeah, just having that extra element to it because they, they are in a certain, not outgun, but like these are like this giant G3 rifle. Like, this is, this is not like small arms or it's not pea shooters. These are like well armed, well funded people. So they had to like act accordingly. I love Thoreau. Thoreau here, this when he gets clipped and the roll. <laughs> Combat roll. Love that. Oh, yeah. That's like straight up Martin Riggs. Straight yeah, out yeah. of Lethal Weapon. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, the combat roll is not in any FM and hybrid. And I haven't even said it yet, but Thoreau's hair is very Martin Riggs too. <laughs> got a big Martin Riggs energy. Oh, look at him. He's doing his battlefield medic. I kind of want to pause it for here just to sit. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, this is, again, part of the uh, newer understanding of 
violence as we see it in our life or as we go through it in post-war and terror. One of the biggest, maybe the biggest uh, development that saved lives was the tourniquet, the handheld tourniquet. Yeah, I still have mine actually. Um, yeah, I do. So yeah, so it's um we had them all in our medical kits, and the whole thing was that um for the longest time the conventional wisdom was that a tourniquet if you put a tourniquet on it meant you would lose your arm or whatever you would lose that limb, but you know with the advances of of field hospitals and surgical medicine that was no longer the case. And people found that just in general, all kinds of armed conflict or firearm conflicts, the leading loss of life was blood loss. And so it was a kind of a big, a pretty significant uh, cultural change where we kind of all had to learn how to use our tourniquets. Apply. And the, the, uh, the device itself is a kind of poly, poly, uh, polyethylene kind of a plastic thing, yes. Velcro, release it on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's, he's put on a belt, but like, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to put my towel or put my towel over my hand or cover it. Like, like no, it's like, I'm going to stop the bleeding because we know, like, we know now, like, that's really the killer. Not just like, you know, getting the whole body of like, you're just going to bleed out and like die pitifully. Like, so just, again, this, this the tactile understanding of yeah. modern And conflicts. he reacts instantly. So there's no hesitation. There's no, oh my God, yeah. I got shot. It's like and, yeah, he's highly trained, trained that, people you know? who are yeah. reacting as they've been trained yes. and just muscle memory and not thinking about it. Yes. So, you know, it's not just the guns, it's the entire, the whole Yeah, the whole, of... the whole piece of fabric is yeah. working. Yes. All right, let's get, let's get, let's finish this off because I really want to see this big guy get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, so we love Elizabeth here, like firing from behind She's such a tires. badass yeah, in this movie. And then when the, yeah, this is... What kind of gun is that? You don't. You don't have. We can figure it out later. Yeah, we can figure it out. But yeah, this is that when when she cat this shot when she catches the shining badge. Gosh, I love this. I love how Euro's guys like get out of here, you idiot! Like, <laughs> I know he dry. comes out like, mur, mur. <laughs> they're like, no, you're not the guy who does this. You're like the middle manager. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Ray. There it is. Jesus. Wow. Jackson Pollock. There we go. Was that a 50 caliber? But that was the, the grenade. That was the grenade launcher that they the blew the door open. Oh yeah. my God! Grenade launcher to the tum tum. But again, remember, it's like it's not the grenade itself; it's the actual. It's the shrapnel shell. It's full of sh- sh- buckshot, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In the grenade size, it's yeah. Yeah. We've, we've done all this action dissection, but let's just quickly watch the devastated Gong Li as Isabella running up to Sunny to wallop him for the realization that he's undercover this whole time and he's lied to her because it's one of my most heartbreaking scenes in this movie. My goodness. Look at the fallout. Who are you? And I love that this whole scene really hasn't had any score to speak of. Yeah. You know, like up until this moment. And, the, and he here really, he goes. Yeah. Oh, he's rolling around. Yeah, I, I know. This. I also watched. Oh God! Oh God! The slow mo catch. Oh, 
right in the Achilles. <laughs> Let me stop the fight to just brace. <laughs> there we go. Oh, double headshot! Wow. Right, let's, let's let's uh let's we can pause that right now. I think we've done some we've done the Lord's work there. <laughs> yes. Well, per the sound, like I we, I was also rewatching the Trudy rescue from mm. the meth lab or whatever, and um it's so quiet and i really appreciate that because it, it makes the violence feel really realistic and grounded and visceral and real and like it's like this is what it would sound like if you were strangling someone this is what it would sound like like letting the the gunshots be the foreground of the of the soundtrack and then you know and just being like this is what this would be like and then you know when we have this emotional moment the score comes in and i think that's a really cool choice two other things as well which is vice i'd love to hear your thoughts on it is because the fact that they don't use music cues to tell us how we're we should be thinking feeling during this quite chaotic exchange um i just think it's so intuitive and frenetic and it feels so organic like it's organically moving from one person to the other one one position to the next one one part of one side's firing, the other responding, uh, etc. It just feels so organic. And then you get to these, there's just these couple of stylized moments like Rico splattering, um, you know, uh, Jose, like Jackson Pollock against the wall. And then this shot where like he has to wrestle Isabella to the ground to avoid this gigantic, scary Aryan Brotherhood leader from shooting them both. And then he gets to get the reprise on getting back um, and take sort of vengeance for Alonzo, but also protect them. Um, and I just, I, I, oh, I, I love that that feels like the most stylized moments of the scene, but the rest of it is so urgent and so crazy and chaotic that it just all comes together perfectly. Yeah, like uh, even there at, at that moment when uh, during that final face-off, again, with the video game language, you see over the third person over the shoulder, mm. the, the zoom of the camera is the focus, is replicating his eyes focus, or, or in other words, or, or in game terms, you gotta push the left trigger, flip his right trigger, the left trigger zooms in. <laughs> yeah. That's him pushing the left trigger to zoom in to yeah. get that close-up shot. And, and the camera's you know, replicating that that sensation of yes. that, yeah, down the barrel. Uh you know, yeah, it's it's again, never been in a firefight, so I never been get shot at. Well, although well <laughs> uh <laughs> no, I was gonna say, um, I didn't have to go to Iraq to be in a hostile urban environment from New York, born in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Queens, <laughs> in the Bronx, couple years, you know, like, I, I know what it is. So that, that all said, it was like, uh, just that, I love that, how you're comparing Iraq, downtown Iraq to Brooklyn. And because, when yeah, I, it, no, it, bro, when I was, it, uh, I did, it, I did it, a final it, of, no, I, I don't doubt you, but this is where it's so foreign to me and maybe more relevant to you and Katie is like, if there is a gun, if someone has a gun in Australia, like post 1997, in the street like that's a that's oh, yeah, an insane yeah, yeah. there's thing. no guns in australia <laughs> no guns. Oh, there's guns there's guns but uh -huh. the the control of the guns and the procedures around the guns and all of the rigmarole around guns yeah. like and also then there can be gun violence but like if if cops find guns in your house like you'll especially if anything that's not meant to be there you there's a long jail sentence for just yeah. even having trafficking weapons you shouldn't own so it's a very um very interesting well, contrast. Well, well, the part about the the, the uh, motion behind it. Uh, well, I guess maybe you should have uh, watched the uh, Meth House because, well, in that case, again, all the kind of it comes together there as well. 
it's mostly silent, like, like you said. Then um, when Rico breaks into the house, the focus again, the focus is on him, his face. Mm. It's specifically on him, the gun, and, but his face. And you see him in like kind of real time twitching the fast twitch parts of his mind and body going, assessing the targets as they come. So then of course, in that, in that scene where the first is like the teenager with the switchblade or whatever, yes. kills with him, takes him down, and then, then the bigger guy, like he's, he's, you can see him, the gears turning in his, in his face of all these uh, tactical options or reactions mm. he must, he must consider. And then, but also he's also like fucking terrified because that's his girl. So yeah. all, all that, all that anxiety and, and, and adrenaline coming together in this like kind of, again, the controlled chaos of this violence that he, that he must master to get, get out safely, to get everyone out safely and also complete his mission. But the whole movie's like this, yeah. But it's a, yeah, but it is interesting because like you could say that 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 they're applying that same credo to the meth lab scene, the rescue scene, the what is it, controlled brutality oh. overwhelming <laughs> calculated application brut- of overwhelming brutality. <laughs> yes, that's what he's doing. I mean, he like has the pizza box, but he's gonna shoot him, you know. So it's like there, it's like you know, he does have to be careful because Trudy's in there, but they're going to go in with that brutality, number one. Yeah. And, because and they have to, it's a survival thing. If they, that, if they don't, they will die. The one note yeah. that get the one note that just knocks me uh, for six in that scene also when I watch it again is when there is the person who is taken down with the blade and they're still writhing on the ground and that distraction cannot be abided. So he just shoots him in the head and just looks back up and is immediately like, I have one less problem. Now this yes. tactical, and as Vice was depicting, you guys can't see, but it was fun for Katie and I, cause like Vice talking about him calculating everything in his field of vision to actually like go, what is the, where is my tactical advantage here? But like taking that person out who's writhing on the floor means that I've got less targets um, there, but Man, we could talk for another five hours, but I think th- this is the perfect moment for us to say, Vice, this has just been brilliant. You being on Miami Nice is yes. extra Miami Nice. Thank you so much. <laughs> this has been such a blast. Um, again, like we said, we're huge admirers of everything we do. We, Katie, the lurker. Um, I'm probably I'm probably more the mullet wearing Justin Thoreau that swaggers in now and then. Um, but but uh, I just want to say thank you uh, and and the whole community that you are part of that action film Twitter those guys that jumped off BMD and and exist in their own world online and all that sort of stuff um, we love you guys and uh, yeah we're fans of uh, having really thoughtful conversations about action and you're kind of uh, you're the squad leader my man you're the squad, yes. you're, 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 you're you're orchestrating you're you're like in the nicest possible way you're like our Barry Shabaka Henley right now you know like you're like you're like fire 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 no, I, I'm the fat kid in the chair like a spider man I'm the fat kid in the chair no never never we we we're, we're so grateful for 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 your insights and for joining us cuz i feel like a lot of people are going to have a great time listening to this chat so um do you want to plug anything while we've got you here just in the wrap up of the show um, yeah, I want to, I've been on a podcast recently, um, with my friend, uh, Liam O'Donnell and Mike, uh, who, they, they run the uh, Atkins podcast. Yes. And then we're, we're trying out something new, uh, this in the coming weeks. Uh, it's kind of a weekly, if, if we can get so, so action roundup, kind of yes. the action Twitter experience in podcast form. Fun. Just, uh, yeah, just, just keep, uh, keep an eye out on the Atkins Undisputed podcast, uh, uh, format. And this is there. the one that Atkins himself has endorsed and been on. Well, it's to the, yes, the Atkins, it's a, is, yes, it is uh, endorsed and yeah, 
recreated by Akin himself. But in this case, we're trying to do like a spinoff with uh, Liam O'Donnell of uh, the Skyline franchise fame. Yes. So what's that? That what's the name of that podcast again? So we can keep an eye oh, out for it. So we've decided that's going to be called a uh, uh, Action for Everyone. Is the, uh, action for Everyone. Yeah, I'm going to listen. Yeah, I'm going to listen. Yeah, it's a. It's a if you big... thought we, if you thought we lurked now, you just wait till there's a podcast we can work <laughs> I know. on. Because we'll be it's there. pretty important to us that you know everybody is welcome and everybody has a, has a say in these conversations because, well, this is my soapbox. You know, real quickly, you know, like a, the conversation of film is so insular. Even now, I think only mm. certain people get the the, the bullhorn, and it's only a certain set of uh, people of the culture that yeah supports. That's kind of why I'm doing this. Like it's like like I said, I'm just motherfucking you know here from New York, just talking shit. But like, <laughs> I, I I need I'm part of the this culture too. Yes, or not, you know. You're, so, you're yes, and we cannot. That's that's not in dispute on this show, my man. We we <laughs> are we are big we are big fans of what you do, and we're fans yeah. of really any of the voices out there that um have thoughtful conversations about these things and also know how to have funny and silly conversations about these things as well so yeah, yeah we're 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 a big fan but we will do the links i'll make sure that when you guys are listening to this you can hit the descriptions and all the links to vice and everything that he does online uh is there but look thank you so much man for making this miami vice <laughs> indeed and thank you so much vice <laughs> and seriously that transformers essay or whatever it is. Bring it's a it podcast. on, baby. It's something. It I on. need this Transformers personal essay. Listen, you write, listen, you write the essay, okay? The long-form essay. <laughs> Katie will edit it. We'll get it. We'll, we've got some friends. It's gone straight to Brightwall Darkroom, the Vice essay. I'm going to talk to Chad, <laughs> yeah. um, who's the editor, and we'll talk to Travis. We'll get it up there, and then you can read it out, and I'll turn it into a podcast, <laughs> right? And so, um, and so then that's that's the plan. That's the plan. Thanks for sharing all your expertise and your experience. It just really made this yeah. so much richer of a discussion. So Amazing. thank you thank so you. much. Yeah, again, thank you again for all your support and everything. And I'm just, again, thank you for reaching out. Just uh, happy, to, happy to be here on the screen. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts.